This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, November 12, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The debate continues over whether net neutrality is the equivalent of old-school utility regulation of telecom firms. The president and others are now asking the FCC to treat telecom firms the same ways telephone companies were treated decades ago. Baron Zoka, president of Tech Freedom, comments. The president has no direct control over uh, the FCC's operations, but he's weighed in on what he thinks that agency ought to do. How do you evaluate his comments? Well, it's unfortunate. He's weighed in for something that would be a disaster. He's essentially asking the FCC to reverse the decisions that the Clinton-era FCC made in the late 90s. It's a little bit as if the the Obama administration came out today and said, you know what, we think that Jimmy Carter was wrong, that deregulating airlines and trucking and transportation was a mistake. So let's, let's undo all of that. He's basically asking the FCC to reverse 18 years of bipartisan consensus, and he's doing it based on misconceptions about what Title II actually means. And I would just point to the fact that uh, he he couldn't even stop himself from from lying about the comments that were filed in the cycle. There were four million comments. He claimed that they all asked the FCC to invoke Title II. In fact, a quarter of them opposed FCC regulation. And most of the rest were one-sentence, auto-generated statements, many of which had nothing to do with Title II. But this just demonstrates that this is really about political theater and, and optics. When people say net neutrality and say Title II, what is the difference? So there are really, I like to say there are three layers to this debate. And this is where Republicans have really gotten stuck. So the net neutrality, when most people talk about it, is an aspirational value that really everybody uh, agrees on. Uh, The Wall Street Journal had a great piece the other day about how we get net neutrality for free today in the market as long as we have competition. So net neutrality on that level is openness, competition, freedom. That's that's something everybody agrees on. Title II is the level of uh, the FCC's authority, and it's the most draconian form of regulation that you could imagine. It's returning to the, the pre-1996 uh, approach to regulating the, the monopoly phone network. And then in the middle, there's a layer that's actually about policy, about how you deal with real concerns. And there, there's actually a lot of consensus. The problem is when you just talk about this on, on a high level in rhetoric, and when you talk about it in terms of Title II, you drive the conversation away from the, the, the range of potential bipartisan resolutions to the issue, and you just keep it going. And that's something that a lot of people have a political incentive to do, to make sure that this issue keeps going, because it's a way for, for activist groups to build their donor base and for people on the extreme left to, to try to, to, frankly, to take over the Democratic Party from the new Democrats of the 1990s. Before there was any real competition in phone service, that kind of Title II regulation might have made sense. In uh, a a marketplace that has a high level of dynamism, what's the problem with applying this kind of regulation? So that kind of regulation, public utility regulation, makes sense for natural monopolies, if, if anywhere. Broadband isn't a natural monopoly, right? Today, we have at least two uh, wires going to the home, cable and telephone. And that's not an accident. That's the result of Bill Kennard, who was the new Democrat who led the FCC in the 90s after the 96 Telecom Act. He knew that Title II would be uh, anti-competitive, and he wanted to encourage competition in America. He wanted to make sure that telephone companies were able to to compete and would deploy. And so he avoided putting the internet into what he called the morass of Title II. 
and that that has borne fruits. We've seen much higher levels of deployment, much faster speeds in this country than we've seen in European countries that have Title II levels of, of, uh, of regulation. And it's been really uh, a testament to, to, to that bipartisan consensus that, unfortunately, the president is now asking the FCC to reverse. Our friend at the Oatmeal Comic, who uh, is often an astute observer of uh, issues related to science and hot sauce uh, tells us that the internet was founded on the concept that all information must be treated equally. Well, that's just not true. The internet works today, works very well for consumers precisely because there is prioritization. So in the 90s, the big question was, how do you get competition in the voice market? And the way that that's happened is that a third of Americans today get their uh, voice service from a wireless provider and a third get it from an internet provider. And those services are uh, dependent on prioritization because there are some kinds of service where it's really a bad thing if you lose packets. So you need to have uh, prioritization. You need those bits not to be treated equally. And that's good for consumers. And that's why on the policy level of this debate, what you really want is a rule of reason. It's a flexible approach that weighs uh, harms against benefits and makes sure that when you have things that do benefit consumers, that you don't allow, you don't ban them, as the FCC has in the past tried to do. And that's why the debate here has really been framed around banning paid prioritization based on this misconception that the internet is, has always been neutral. This is from, uh, again, the the, uh, the oatmeal comic that has been making the rounds. I wouldn't bring it up if this weren't a very popular uh, site that uh, often, often provides some uh, fodder for discussion. Uh, he, he writes, last year, Comcast demanded that Netflix pay, pay them millions of dollars or they were going to slow down the internet speeds of customers who are trying to stream Netflix movies. During negotiations, Comcast throttled the bandwidth of Netflix users in order to bully Netflix into paying massive fines. Completely untrue. And you look at Dan Rayburn, independent industry uh, analyst here, has, has, has explained this very well. What really happened is that Netflix is trying to pass on the things that it's always had to pay for to people who don't use Netflix service. Netflix made a mistake last year when they started offering higher speeds. They didn't buy enough bandwidth in their deal with Cogent. And they were able to get a better deal from Comcast, one that allowed them to stream more cheaply than they would have been able to get from Cogent. And they turned around and have, have suggested that uh, broadband companies are holding them for ransom when, in fact, they're offering a more efficient, cheaper solution, which means lower bills for consumers. That It's a cynical manipulation on Netflix's part, and it has nothing to do with net neutrality. That market for interconnection is thriving. Prices have fallen 1,000-fold in the last, uh, I believe it's 14 years. And it's highly competitive. There's no problem there except that Netflix would prefer to pay zero than to have to pay anything at all. He also writes, net neutrality is a bipartisan issue. It's something liberals, conservatives, sinners and saints, Sasquatches, cyborgs, and all the crab-infused Tex-Mex loving men, women, and children of this great country of ours can get behind. Uh, he adds, it's about freedom. Well, on the level of aspirational value, he's absolutely right. And on a policy level, he's also right that there has been bipartisan consensus here. Republicans back in 2006, for example, authorized the FCC in legislation that unfortunately didn't pass, uh, authorized the FCC to issue a no-blocking rule and transparency rules. 
that's the core of the concern here. And there is bipartisan agreement about that. Nobody in industry actually opposes those rules. The debate's always been about two things. Number one, the FCC's legal authority. Do you do it under Title II or something else? Or do you have a new Com Act that gives the FCC clear but narrow authority over those concerns? And number two, how do you deal with with prioritization? How do you regulate the economic relationships here to make sure that, that they don't harm consumers? And unfortunately, what we've seen happen this year is that what started out as a very reasonable, moderate approach from the FCC as to how to deal with those things has been derailed by people who are just um, misrepresenting how Title II works. They claim that Title II would allow the FCC to ban paid prioritization. That's not true. In fact, Title II means that broadband providers, just like railroad providers back in the day, get to charge everybody for terminating traffic, which is a sender-pays regime. That's the opposite of net neutrality. Unfortunately, this debate doesn't have anything to do with substance anymore. So I, I sometimes say this has really become a little bit like the, the global warming debate. But the left on this side is on this issue is the side that's completely uninterested in, in facts or details or, or substance. All they want to talk about is high-level rhetoric. And what they very effectively manage to do is use the rhetoric of freedom on that level of aspirational values to seg- to steer the conversation away from reasonable policy answers into the most draconian, radical legal authority possible, which wouldn't even do what they think it would, and would create a host of other problems. I mean, for example, Google Fiber has been starting to deploy around the country. They've not offered a Title II service because it's such a regulatory burden, even though that leaves them without some of the benefits of Title II, which Congress could could extend beyond Title II and, and should. But that's just an example of how Title II really would chill broadband deployment. The very things that people who want competition are in favor of would actually be undermined by Title II. The FCC has shown some reluctance to go along with uh, precisely what the president has suggested. What should the FCC do and what do you think Congress should do either in this lame duck or in the next session? Well, the chairman said something about how he's trying to split the baby. Um, That's better in some ways than going all out for Title II. But as we've explained, there really is no middle ground on Title II. There's talk here about about potential hybrid solutions. Really, some of them are just Title II uh, as a backstop, which is the same thing effectively as invoking Title II. Others would say, well, we'll only impose Title II on the back end of the network, not the, the retail side. And that's somewhat better, but it still raises a, a host of problems, including the fact that Title II still won't do what people think it will do. So really, Wheeler's in a very difficult situation politically uh, in the sense that invoking Title II at all is is a huge problem. And I think he understands that. He understands that the FCC may lose in court, uh, that it's going to create a host of problems for the agency, that at, at best case scenario, if they don't lose in court, they'll spend probably the next decade trying to sort out how these rules work, just as the FCC spent about 10 years after the 1996 Act trying to sort out how to deal with the, the stupid provisions of that Act governing uh, telephone competition until it became a moot point when you had wireless and, and VoIP services. So he understands that Title II is a bad idea. What he needs is a, is a path out, and there are basically two options. So number one, the chairman uh, has the option of doing what he proposed to do earlier this year, which is to issue uh, fairly moderate rules uh, under another section of authority that the FCC has claimed, Section 706. 
And that's better than the Title II approach. But even that is really only a, a bridge to the second option, which is a legislative solution. This has been the answer for the last 10 years. It's something that the FCC could have negotiated a deal on. It tried to do so in 2010, but that deal was was derailed by uh, media coverage that was really driven by activists who were not interested in the details of this debate. And the contours of a legislative solution are pretty clear. You could get bipartisan support if you, on the one hand, gave the FCC the clear but narrow authority, authorize a no-blocking rule, authorize transparency rules, and, and a rule of reason over economic relationships. Right? That would be the core of how to deal with net neutrality. And in exchange for that, you bar the FCC from invoking Title II over the internet forever. And you also clarify that that Section 706, that would be a better option now, that the FCC can't use that as a blank check to regulate the internet, because that's actually quite scary. That's, according to the FCC, a mandate to do anything that the FCC wants over any form of communications, not, not just net neutrality, not just broadband, as long as the FCC thinks that it's somehow promoting broadband, and as long as that thing, whatever that regulation is, isn't specifically illegal. So those are the, the, the three core parts of this, but there's a fourth part of this that would finally address the concerns that I think motivate a lot of the push for net neutrality, which is encouraging competition. There are a lot of things that the federal government does today that states and cities do that make it harder to deploy. I already mentioned one of those, which is that you only get uh, poll attachment rights when you deal with utilities to get pricing on a non-discriminatory basis. If you're a Title II carrier or if you're a Title VI cable company, that's just an accident of history. The 1996 Congress didn't foresee there being a company like Google Fiber we could fix that. And there are lots of other little barriers that make competition difficult. And finally, if you want to spend taxpayer dollars on something, instead of building government-run networks, cities and states, and in some areas, the federal government could build smart infrastructure. And that would mean things like putting conduits under streets and highways where you can lease that space out to broadband companies to put fiber in there. That would lower deployment costs significantly, as would building taller poles. There are things that government could do to encourage competition here. But as I said at the outset, broadband is not actually a natural monopoly because you can have more than one. Right now we have two only because Bill Kennard and the new Democrats in the 1990s got us away from Title II. We could have more if we cleared the path for competition. So those four things would be really the key to a bipartisan compromise. And if the Republicans want to lead here, they could get Democrats uh, to come to the table on that. Baron Zoka is president of Tech Freedom. You can read more on utility regulation and a free and open internet at our website, cato.org.